Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Hebrews chapter 4, we have been in a series called Hustle. Somebody say hustle. We have been learning all about the promise of rest that Jesus has promised us. And so we started our series in Hebrews chapter four, and we're going to end our series in Hebrews chapter four. Uh, It's going to be on the screen for your convenience this morning. We're going to read nine verses. I'm going to fly through them, and then you can be seated. The Bible says this in verse one, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Somebody say still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it has to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said in my anger, I took my oath and they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. Did you catch that? God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Can you say it louder? That time is today. It's today. Just shake your neighbor real quick and say, it's today, baby. It's today. It's today. That time's today. And God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted today. When you hear this voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken of another day of rest still to come. One more verse. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. I want to finish our hustle series today with this title, Jesus, our Sabbath rest. Jesus, our Sabbath rest. Father, thank you so much for your presence that we already feel in this room today. God, I ask that your anointing would come in this house, break every yoke, unharden our hearts, and God, let us receive this revelation of rest in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated on your way down. Give three people a high five and say, Jesus, our Sabbath rest. Come on. Jesus, our Sabbath rest. Jesus, our Sabbath rest. In our series, Hustle, we have been learning all about what it means to rest. To rest means to quit striving in our own ability and to rest in the finished work of Jesus. How many of you know that he didn't just die, he rose again? And that's why we're here this morning, the finished work of Jesus. He hung on the cross on Good Friday. And the Bible says he lifted up his head and said, it is finished. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about the work that the father had sent him to do. It means to quit our own striving and rest in the finished work of Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean to be lazy. I'm giving a little recap for those of you that haven't been here. Because we're called to be laborers in a harvest. And in this realm of rest, we have learned 
that we are tempted to live by our own works instead of the life of discovery that Jesus told us that Mary, the sister of Lazarus, had discovered at his feet instead of Martha, who was working herself crazy. We learn that our Father has prepared a table before us where our true identity is found, despite what everyone says and what everyone thinks about us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? And we have found that to rest means to truly know who and what our Father is good. He's good this morning, isn't he? We have learned what he really thinks about us. We are his beloved. Somebody say beloved. beloved. Rest is all about identity. Rest is all about identity. Knowing who I am and whose I am. And out of that identity, we find our purpose in him. And in this revelation of rest, catch this, we no longer have to prove ourselves. Aren't you glad for that this morning? In this revelation of rest, we no longer have to prove ourselves. Because rest is all about what Jesus did on Calvary and what he paid the price for. And now, today, somebody say today, we have his grace to sustain us. That's a recap from six weeks of hustle. But I believe today is the most important message of this series. Are you ready to go deeper? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. We can know all of these things that we've learned in this series about rest, but if we don't truly believe it, we will not take a hold of it. If we don't truly believe it, we will not take a hold of it. So I'm going to go verse by verse today. Let's go back to verse 1. If you're following me on the, the Version Bible app today, it should be there for you. The writer of Hebrews begins chapter 4 declaring that God's promise of rest still stands. It still stands. Many of us in the church have been taught that rest is reserved for eternity in heaven. Now, I want to give you a little theology here. That is true. There is rest, a final rest, that all of us will experience in eternity. In eternity, there will be no sickness. In eternity, there will be no house payment. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. There will be no car leases. There will be none of that. There won't be that old grumpy boss that you can't stand to go to work with every single Monday. There will be none of that. There will be a final rest that you and I will enter into. But the rest that the Father is teaching us in this hour is different. This is a rest that you and I can experience here and now. But many of us have been taught by religion that rest is only reserved for eternity in heaven. That's why so many people are like, well, brother, I'm just, I'm being attacked by the devil and I'm just waiting to get to my heavenly home. You know what I'm talking about this morning? Come on. I'm just waiting to get to heaven. Listen, baby, you don't have to wait until heaven to experience heaven here and now. Man, I feel like preaching five minutes into my message this morning. You don't have to wait until eternity to have peace in your life. I said, you don't have to wait until eternity to have favor on you. You don't have to wait until eternity. You can live this life now. 
But instead, we live this life with the expectation that only in heaven we will experience the true rest that Jesus died for. And because of this expectation, we believe that true freedom is a myth and only can be in heaven. We believe true freedom is only a myth. This is our belief. Because catch this, your belief gives you access to something. How many of you have ever flown on a plane before? When I get on a plane, I believe that the pilot has passed all of his tests. Come on. <laughs> that he's had enough sleep. Come on. That he, he hasn't had NyQuil or any booze. Like, he's good to go. And I have believed that they have built the plane correctly that I'm not gonna fall out of my seat 20,000 feet in the air. We, we believe in stuff all the time and it gives us access to it. You drove in a vehicle today because you believed it would bring you from here to there. Your belief gives you access. Somebody say access. And we believe in this room that Jesus died for our sins and we need him as our savior to spend eternity with him. We believe that. We believe him for salvation from punishment and hell. We believe those things, but we often don't believe that what he's done for others, he can do for me. I've seen him do it for other people. I've seen him heal other people. I've seen him break the addiction off of somebody else, but, but you don't know me. You don't know how imperfect I am. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You don't know what I've done, Pastor Andrew. You don't know what I've gone through. I, I know he did it for others, but he, I don't know, can he do it for me? I know he gave them a financial breakthrough, but can he do it for me? I know he restored their marriage when they had already signed the divorce papers and were getting ready to turn them into the lawyer. I know he did it for them, but my marriage is in shambles. Come on, where you at in the house this morning? I don't know if he can do it for me. And if you're questioning this morning, if he can do it, the response response is yes, yes, and yes, because the Bible declares that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means if he did it 2,000 years ago, he can still open up graves and tombs and bring resurrection life to you this morning. Come on, I dare somebody in this room, if you believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, I dare you to give him a shout of praise here on Resurrection Sunday. Come on. He's the same. So if he did it for them, he can do it for you. Just nudge your neighbor and say, if he did it for them, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. So the writer declares that the promise of rest still stands. This phrase in the Greek means to leave behind. So when Jesus died, he didn't take rest with him to heaven. He left it behind. He said, disciples, I'm going to heaven but I'm sending another in my place, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit this morning? He said, I left it behind. This tells us this morning that rest isn't reserved for those in heaven alone, but it has been left behind for you and for I. But we must understand this morning that rest is not a new revelation and it's not a new idea. Although for many of us, that is what we're experiencing in this series. Rest has always been Yahweh's plan for humanity. The scripture tells us that this rest has been ready 
since he made the world. This rest has been ready since he made the world. It was ready, available, but none of us could take access of it. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Eden was meant to be a place of rest in the Father. It was meant to be a place where true identity was found. But sin separated us from rest and from our identity as sons and daughters. And so the writer is giving us a passageway into what this rest was truly meant for us. The writer uses the phrase, go back to verse one for me, enter my rest. Now, if we don't know the context of this scripture, we may not truly understand what this means. We think it's just something we walk into. And although that's true, the writer is giving us historical context. And the historical context is talking about the promise of rest that he gave the children of Israel, the nation of the Israelites. He promised them the promised land. Somebody say the promised land. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, but he brought them out so that they might experience rest in the promised land. He brought them out. Catch this this morning. He didn't bring them out of Egypt to die in a wilderness. I said he didn't bring them out of Egypt. He didn't free them. He didn't do all of the crazy, cool things that he did in order for them to go in the wilderness and still die. Because catch this this morning. Anytime God brings you out of something, know that it's to bring you into something else. I'm going to say that again. You could tweet that this morning. Anytime God brings you out of something, it's to bring me into something else which means he wants to bring me out of addiction, but it's not to be miserable, it's to live a free life. Come on, if God wants to bring me out of pornography, it's not so I can miss out on something that everyone else is, but he says, I wanna heal your soul, I wanna bring you closer to me. When God says, I'm gonna bring you out, it's not so that you miss out on the party and the life of the world. He says, listen, when I bring you out, it's to bring you closer to myself because I have something special for you. I wanna give you everything you need. I wanna bring you out of your pain into healing. Where you in the house i want to bring you out of insecurity into beloved identity i want to bring you out of religion into a relationship Ah. somebody say he brought me out and i believe this morning there's some people in this room who are going to experience the freedom that israel experienced i'm coming out of my egypt that's what easter is all about it's not about a bunny it's not about eggs although that stuff's real cool and i love eating my kids candy come on but it's not about that stuff it's about coming out of a slave mentality into a sonship mentality listen i'm coming out of my egypt into the promised land come on give him a praise right there look at your neighbor and say he's bringing me out he's bringing me out he's bringing me out he wants to bring me out he wants to bring me out and so for more context this morning i want to go to deuteronomy chapter 12 This is the promise that the Lord gives Israel concerning rest. Your pattern of worship will change. 
your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest. I wish I had time to really go in that this morning. We don't have to teach people behavior modification. That's not the gospel. I believe in living right. I believe in holiness. I believe in all those things. But behavior modification is my own ability. I must live this thing out by his grace. But you won't until you have come into a place of rest. Because today you're doing what you please because you've not yet arrived in the place of rest that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. But soon you will cross across the river Jordan and live in the land. Oh, I'm not just meant to visit rest, y'all, when times are bad. I'm meant to live there. And some of you are so miserable in your life because you only have a Sunday experience with Jesus instead of living there. In the place that you're going to live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when he gives you rest from all your enemies and, and you're living safely in the land, you must bring everything I command you. All kinds of offerings, sacrifices, tithes, all those things to the designated place of worship. The place, the land, the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. This is the rest promise that God gives to Israel. So I want to give you four things this morning that are promised to us in the place of rest. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, belonging. In the place of rest, we have land. We have belonging. Belonging. Number two, security and protection. Somebody say protection. He's going to protect me from all of my enemies. That's why I come under the mighty hand of God. I come under his authority. Number three, peace. Rest from fighting. Aren't you just tired of fighting the devil? Aren't you tired of fighting your own flesh? Aren't you tired of fighting with each other? You can have peace. And number four, his presence. The place of rest is a place of his presence. So this was promised to the nation of Israel. But they knew nothing but slavery. They were slaves to work in Egypt. They made them to work. And when they left Egypt, they still had a slave's mentality. Because how many of you know that you can leave Egypt, can leave Egypt but maybe Egypt isn't out of you? You can walk out of Egypt in a day, but it may take 40 years to get Egypt out of you. That's why you still think poor, even though you're not poor. I'm not just talking about money either. I'm talking about everything that Jesus has for me in this life. I still act like I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. I still act like I have no money in the bank. I still act like my marriage was in shambles. Because we still have a slave mentality. Are you still with me this morning? And because of this type of thinking, Israel, a generation that was meant to go into rest, 
became a wilderness generation. They lived in the wilderness. A people who knew nothing but slavery, wilderness, and because of it, wandering. They were never meant to wander. They were meant to behold the wonders of God, not to wander. Why couldn't a whole generation find the rest that God promised them? Are you still with me this morning? So let's go back to verse 1. God's promise of rest still stands. So you ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. The children of Israel missed out on the promise of rest because of unbelief. Unbelief. It says that some of you might fail to experience it. That word experience literally means to think. To lack a benefit. To fail to attain. They couldn't wrap their minds around the promise and allow doubt and unbelief to rule them instead. And that's why Proverbs 23 and 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You're, the way you think is powerful, y'all. If I still think that I'm a slave in Egypt, I'll act like a slave in Egypt. If I still think I'm addicted, I will be addicted. Come on. They couldn't wrap their head around rest because they could not believe it in their minds. Catch this. It wasn't an affair that kept them out of rest. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't any other sin but the sin of unbelief. And how many of us this morning are missing out on the rest of God and we go from career to career, from spouse to spouse, from thing to thing, every new hobby, just looking for rest, looking for identity because we failed to believe the promise of God. You with me? So our text this morning is, is talking about the children of Israel. Now, if you know anything about their story, before they get to the promised land, their leader, Moses, says, I'm going to send 12 spies, one from every tribe, and they're going to check out the land and see what it's all about. And so he sends 12 spies. And this is their response when they come back in Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men retreat, returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had seen what they had seen and showed them the fruit that was taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed, it is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's pause right there. They saw that what God said was true. Now it's not faith anymore. It's literal. They can see it. They could possess it. A land flowing with milk and honey. And here's the kind of fruit it produces. But. Anytime we start saying the word but after the promise of God. You can know that you're living in unbelief. But. The people living there were powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. We saw giants. 
We saw giants. Now go to, go to verse 30. But Caleb, but Caleb tried to quiet the people. And he stood before Moses and said, let's go at once to take the land. We can conquer it. But the other men, 10 of the 12, had explored the land, disagreed with him. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report amongst the Israelites. Catch this. This is, this is crazy. The land we have traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Some of y'all will get that on your way out of the parking lot today. We even saw giants there. Catch this. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Now this really messed me up. They went to spy on the land that the Lord had promised them. It's exactly what he said. But these people are powerful. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. They're huge. They're huge. Giants. We felt like grasshoppers. Listen to what they're saying. You ready for this? A grasshopper is what? Like an inch tall? If there's anything larger than that, you can keep it. Amen. <laughs> And let's just say the average height of someone in Israel was five foot ten. They were literally saying that these people, their enemy, were 50 times larger than they were. In comparison, 50 times larger than they were. So if the average person was five foot ten, they were saying these giants are 250 foot tall. Talk about drama queens, y'all. <laughs> Are you telling me that my enemy is 250 foot tall? Now, we laugh about it today on Easter because it sounds so ridiculous, right? Look at your neighbor and say, that sounds ridiculous. 250 foot tall. But catch this. That's how powerful belief is. Because they believed that they could not defeat their enemy. And because of it, it caused them to see things that weren't even real. Come on. Some of y'all making up situations in your head because of the belief that you have in your head. I'm going there today. Come on. And because of it, their enemy was magnified and they decided in their mind, we will not take what God has for us because of what we have seen. But I want to tell somebody today, come on, the enemy wants you to see things through a distorted perspective. Because if you ever find out who you really are, come on, if you ever find out who you were really created to be, if you ever find out that you're the head and not the tail, hell is going to be in trouble. If you really find out who you are, listen, hell is terrified that I'm going to discover who I really am. Giants will seem easy when you find out who you really are. Insecurity won't hold me anymore when I find out who, my, who I really am. Who am I? I am loved. I am healed. 
healed. I am whole. I am his workmanship. I am a royal priesthood. Come on. I am chosen. I am unique. I wish somebody would get me right now. I am the apple of his eye. I am the head and not the tail. I'm not my abuse. I'm not my addiction. I'm not my shame. I'm not my sin. I am the beloved. Come on. Give God a shout of praise. I am not a grasshopper. I am in the dominion of the kingdom of God. Now give three people a high five with some sass and say, I'm not a grasshopper. When you find out who you really are, you'll say no to some people. When you find out who you really are, you won't walk with your head down anymore. You will declare, I am who God says that I am. Not a grasshopper. I'm a threat to hell. Why do you think hell fights you so hard? Why do you think it's so hard to get your kids to church on Sunday? Come on. Why do you think your alarm went off? Because the devil knows if you find out who you really are, you won't settle for anything but that. We are not going to let unbelief Keep us from true rest. Are you still with me in the house this morning? But this is what Israel did. So 12 spies were sent, but only two believed what God had said. And they said, let's go at once and take the land. They believed it. And because of it, they experienced rest. When I find out who I really am, there is no wall that I can't climb over. There is no enemy that cannot be defeated. Come on. Come on, we're going to take this city. Did you hear what I said on Easter? I said, we're going to take this city. You know why? Because I'm in a room with some people who have found out who they really are. And we're not going to be satisfied with the rest of this city, not knowing who they were meant to be until we have experienced the move of God here. They believed it and experienced rest. Now go to verse 8. I'm getting all my cardio in this morning, y'all. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Joshua was Moses' predecessor. No, I'm sorry, successor. And he brought the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses couldn't do this because in this specific situation, Moses represents the law. Religion. Religion will never take you into rest. Religion will never take you into rest. Your works, what you can do, will never take you into rest. Your abilities will never take you in. It must be Joshua who was a shadow or a preview of Jesus. Joshua represents grace and favor, and his name literally means God is deliverance. God is deliverance. And Jesus' name is actually the Greek-derived name from the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua. Joshua was a preview. What was the father trying to show us? That just as I brought Israel out of Egypt, 
into the promised land. I can do it today. I can do it today. Y'all, Jesus didn't die on the cross and get up on the third day so you could just attend church. He got up so I can get up. Did you catch that? He got up so I could get up. And I came to tell somebody today, you can get out of your addiction. You don't have to go back to that computer at 3 a.m. anymore. I'm getting real with you in the house. You don't have to go from toxic relationship to toxic relationship anymore. You can get up out of it and be totally and completely free. He got up so I could get up. But catch this, so I could get up and sit down. He rose again so I could find out who I really am. Beloved. Somebody say beloved. And Jesus showed us a life that was possible when you are rested and secure in who you are in the Father. Beloved. He showed us what was possible when we simply believe. So today, the promise of rest still stands. And my question for you is, will you believe it? Because that's all you need to have access to it. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a ministry degree. You don't have to do 12 steps, nothing. You just have to simply believe it. You don't have to be a slave anymore. You can be a son. You can be a daughter. I know I'm slowing things down here. Because I want you to know this morning that Jesus is not only our savior, he's our deliverer. He's my deliverer. Can we go just a little bit deeper? I know you got holiday hams to eat this morning, but I think we can go just a little deeper. Verse 9. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There is rest waiting for you and I, but not just any rest. This word rest in the Greek means Sabbath rest. Somebody say Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was the seventh day of creation that Yahweh set aside for rest. Now listen, y'all. If there's any Ten Commandments that are broken more than any, it's observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Because we are in a work-yourselves-to-death culture. Can I be just transparent with you this morning? Ministry was killing me until I learned to rest on the Sabbath. Now, I don't have time to go deep into that today. But if God needed to rest on the Sabbath, why do we think we don't have to? Creation was not completed in its experience and culmination until rest happened. And notice that rest didn't begin the work. It ended the work. It finished the work. So we could say this morning that we as believers are not truly complete until we have come into rest. Some of y'all have been going around and you love Jesus and you're serving God and all that great stuff, but you just feel like something's missing. 
there's just, I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something missing. I would dare to say that it's you haven't experienced rest. And Israel experienced the Sabbath under Moses, but it was under the law. And it was only a type and a shadow of what was to come under Jesus. Sabbath not by the law, Sabbath by experience, by grace. Sabbath was meant to bring God's people into a closer, intimate relationship with him. Sabbath was all about communion with him, resting in him. Now go back to verse 2 real quick, Joe. For this is good news, that God has prepared this rest. This is good news, y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good news. This is good news, that God has prepared this rest. And it has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The word share in this means to compose, to unite, to blend together, or this, to be formed by close union. Rest was meant to bring me into union with him. So let's go back to verse 9. There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. This is powerful, y'all. When the writer of Hebrews sat down to pen this letter to the, the people, there was no word for rest that could properly describe what God wanted to do. And so the writer of Hebrews made one up. <laughs> you know some people that make words up? He made one up. And in the Greek, it means Sabbath rest. But this is powerful. In the Aramaic, it means Jesus, comma, our Sabbath rest. There was no word to describe this rest that Yahweh offered. So he created one. And it was a person. It was a person. And his name is Jesus. And today, that man offers you rest. And he says, you can stop your striving. You can stop. I feel the love of the Father in this room right now. You know why God wants to deliver you? It's not so you can be a holier person. It's because he loves you. And today, we have our Joshua. Our Jesus, who can make every Jericho wall in your life fall, who can fix every distorted perception that you're a grasshopper, that your enemy is more powerful than the God in you. That is a lie. Today we have our Sabbath rest. In his name is Jesus. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.